out from the sound of a mantra and then you catch it and then you just bring it back to the sound. It wanders off and then you just bring it back, okay? So you don't get angry that it, oh, it's not focusing, you know? It's just you notice it and you gently bring it back, you know? So no need to stress out and get angry. Just, you know, just relax and just uh, keep bringing the sound back, uh, to, you know, in, in your focus. So the way you do this Japa Yoga uh, is you chant the mantra on each beat. So since we just learned this Gopala Govinda Rama Madonna Mahana mantra, we'll do that a mantra, okay? So um, you chant the whole mantra like this: Gopala Govinda Rama Madonna Mohana, and then you go to the next beat: Gopala Govinda Rama Madonna Mohana, like that on each beat. So it's very simple. It's not easy. I mean, it's not it's not difficult. Um, actually, I was in India earlier this year, and I was surprised actually how many people actually were practicing their japa meditation just on the street. You know, it's quite it's still quite a common practice there. So, uh, you know, this the beads they have uh, really two purposes, um, maybe more, but the two that I I know of or can think of right now is that number one is the counting method. So, the yogis would have a particular amount of rounds that they do every day so they have their minimum quota right so you should if you if you take up this practice have a minimum amount that you do every day you know something that you know you can do every day like whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever you can do easily every day you know and you can do more than your minimum but at least get your minimum done every day you know because it needs to be a regular practice you know? and uh, so uh, and, and a good time to do it, just as a little tip, it's not necessary that you do it this time, but just when you first wake up in the morning, uh, and before you, you, get, you, have, you start getting involved with you know, the things throughout the day and stuff, or late at night before you go to bed, you know. Per me, personally, I like to, uh, I do both. Like I, I do it when I first wake up in the morning, and then at night, uh, I usually go for a walk, and I'll go, I said that a little loud. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't say that word. Spell it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, no. he didn't hear it. I know, but he's all back to sleep. Usually, usually he jumps up and he says, okay. So, no, I actually take him and then we, we go down go down to the beach and, and uh, I sit down at the, at the on a bench there and I just watch the stars and I chant my japa for like an hour or two sometimes, you know. And it's like, it's really like my favorite thing, my favorite part of the day is to go do that, you know. And uh, so, so it's good to get in the habit, you know. And, and you start—it's like anything. If you if you stick with it, you start to enjoy it, you know. Well, not like anything, but it's like that, right? Like you know, when I, you know, it's like surfing in a sense. Because when I started surfing, I, it was it was hard. It was difficult, you know, just getting smashed around by the waves, and it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable at all, you know. But I knew if, because I seen surfers surf, and I, I knew that. If I stuck with it, then it'll start to be enjoyable, right? So I kind of push through it, and then so meditation can be like that for some people because uh, it's just something they're not used to, you know, and they haven't developed a taste for it yet, you know. And when you develop, sometimes it takes time. Like for me, it took about I don't know, a good six months or so before I actually started to actually feel like I actually like doing this. Six months of practicing, and. You know, the reason the reason I kind of kept with it is because I had someone someone who I knew 
uh, that was I could see was they really enjoyed it, you know, and 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 they taught it to me, and and what they were saying made sense, but I just hadn't tasted it yet, you know. So so just hearing the philosophy and hearing. Um, you know, it just kept me interested and kept me, gave me the motivation to keep pushing through it, even though I didn't really enjoy it in the beginning, you know. So, but it takes a bit of time to actually, you know, develop the taste that I'm talking about, the happiness that I'm talking about. It doesn't happen right away, but it happens, you know. Just like, just like, just like the example I gave earlier about the seed. You put a seed in there, you water it for a while, you don't see a plant for the first little while, you know. Generally, I mean, always, you don't see it, right? With meditation, sometimes people take to it right away and they love it right away, but sometimes it takes time. Like, for me, it took a bit of time. So, um, anyway, it's like that. But it needs to be, just like you water a plant regularly, you need to water the seed uh, regularly, right? So this is uh, important. So that's, anyway, that's the first part, the first reason for the, the bees is to count. And then the second reason is uh, it engages the senses in the meditation. More senses in the meditation, the easier it is to focus the mind on it. Like, the mind automatically goes where the senses go. Right? So that's why they leave the, you know, the bakeries leave the door of the bakery open. Because you smell it, and immediately the mind thinks, I want bread. And then it drags you into the bread store and makes you buy bread, right? So if you had the sense, if you had the, the smell, if you had somehow had the nose engaged in the meditation, which unfortunately we can't, but if you had it, then it wouldn't be it wouldn't drift off to the smell of the bread and take you away from the meditation, right? So we have the the sense of touch involved, so that takes care of that, you know. Uh, and we have the ears involved, and we have the tongue involved, right? Because we're speaking the mantra. So uh, in this way, it helps focus the mind, right? It's another tool to help focus the mind. So, anyway, uh, so on this head bead, this is actually called the guru bead. This process of yoga, I didn't look, make it up myself. I learned it from somebody, from someone, from a realized yogi, a yoga master. And he, so I, sing, I say a mantra on this bead, referring to him, remembering him, paying respects to him. And, uh, and then I chant man, the, the mantra on, on the rest of the beads. But since you guys don't have a guru, you chant the, the, the mantra Nitai Gaur that we chanted at first, it's Nitai Gaur. And, and then you chant, um, you chant Gopala, Govinda Rama, Madonna, Mohana on the rest of the beats, okay? Did you guys got that mem mantra memorized now? Mm. What do you think? Alright, so okay, let's 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 start. So I'll I'll do it first two or three, then I'll invite you to just join in with me. So we'll do the whole round, it should take I don't know, about five minutes or so. Okay. So Nitai Gaur on the headbeat. Then Gopala Govinda Rama Madana Mohana. Gopala Govinda Rama Madana Mohana. Gopala Govinda Rama Madana Mohana. Okay, join it. Gopala Govinda Rama Madana Mohana. Gopala Govinda Rama Madana Mohana. Gopala Govinda.
Then you get a head beam, you say Mitai Goa, and then you go back the other way. Gopala, Govinda, Ramana, Dharma, Mohana, like that. So that's it. That's Japa Yoda. See, it's pretty simple, huh? You don't need to be rich or anything. You just have. Everyone in India has one of these. You don't need to be a ascetic. You don't need to be anything. You just need a pair of these, and then you just go, just go do it. You know. So everybody, everybody in India is broke, but they all can, you know, they all have one of these. So you know, it's a very wonderful ancient yoga practice. This uh, mantra meditation. So you know, now you learn three different styles. So you you can have that. You know, for the rest of your life, you can you can you can practice it, and any you know even if you don't do it regularly, if you can't get in the habit or something, you know you can always um, when things are you know it's it's best to do it all the time when things are going bad or when things are going good you know, but things are going bad, you have something to take shelter of you know, you have some some something, you know. so this is. Uh, is there any questions so far? When we say the words, the mantra yeah, words, yeah. do they mean? Do they have a mean? Like they resonate in your mind? Do they have a meaning behind them? Yeah. Do they have a yeah. That's that's the that's the question that everybody asks. <laughs> I, I never mentioned that in the beginning, um, but someone will but ask it. Every single class, somebody right. asks it. So don't feel like you're being asking a weird question. No. <laughs> These are all, all the mantras here are different names of, um, now don't freak out when I'm going to say this, the different names of God, you see? People have a kind of a strange idea what this, what this means. Uh, some people think, anyway, some people think of God as like a, some kind of old man with a long white beard who sits in a, in a big cement chair and judges people all day, right? So this is sometimes people have this idea. But this is not like, see in yoga, the, the purpose of yoga is not stretching, is the purpose of it is actually, it's a spiritual practice and it's meant to, to be, the, the purpose of it is, is self-realization. So understanding who I am, and this is not separate from understanding my relationship with God and understanding God. You see, this is this is what a yogi is, is someone who's fixed in this relationship, think, fixed in this understanding. Um, so, since time immemorial, by, by applying the yoga practice, um, the yogis have realized God. Now, God is knowable. It's not that God is unknowable. The purpose of yoga is to know God. And so, um, this is why... You know, the, the, if I can say um, a little bit about the subject is that um, when, I speak, when I say God, I'm speaking about the original cause, like the cause of all causes. In other words, what everything, where everything has sprung from, right? So we have everything has a cause, right? Like, your body was caused by your parents' bodies, right? And your parents' bodies was caused by their parents' bodies. And so on, like that, right? And um, if you trace everything back, there is an original cause. Something that caused, put everything in motion, right? 
So when I speak of God, I speak of the original cause, the original source, that which has no source. You know, everything has a source, but at some point, there comes to a point where there's a beginning, right? So this is the the, the original, the the beginning, the the original cause. So to understand this this subject, this actually takes a lot of you know pre understanding before we talk about God, but. One thing we should know is that we are not. When I say our bodies are caused by this and our body, our that that's you know our bodies come from something and so on. But we're different than the bodies, like this. The we are the the life force within the body. We are not the body. The body is um, made of material elements, and these material elements are only making up the body for some time. And then they, you, you crap them out, or you grow them out as hair or nails, or their skin falls off or whatever, right? So this stuff, like this stuff, for example, making up my hand, it, it's making up my hand now. This this lump of matter, but it's not the same hand. It's not the same lump of matter that was making it up a year ago, right? Because of the process of metabolism, you take in matter, you take in some material elements. First, you, you look at a tree, you see an apple, right? That's, you think that's an apple, that's a tree. And then you eat the apple, and then those same molecules that made up the apple now go to make up your own body. Right? So, and then the molecules that are making up your body now get excreted. They only, you know, like this nail, it's only been this nail, this nail's only been in my hand. It looks like the same nail that was there like six months ago. But it's a completely different nail, because it grew out and I clipped it off, right? So the skin is always shedding, the hair is always growing. The blood inside the body is getting, you know, it, it circulates and then it does its thing and then the cells die off and then there's this whole process of metabolism that's always going on. <clears throat> so, but we're constantly there. We're, you know, we're always, we're always the one perceiving, looking out through the body, wearing the body, but we're not the body, you understand? Like, I'm not that apple. Right, and I'm I'm not that stool in the toilet, right? I'm I can even though that stuff is going to make up my body in the future, and previously it made up my body. It's not me, right? So, um, one of the first things to understand in yoga philosophy is that this the body is separate from me. I'm not the body. Okay, so who I am the 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 life force within it. Like, that, that's the difference between, you know, when you, that's the difference between a dead body, for example, and a live body. If you ever see it, the dead body, on the, if you've ever seen a dead human body, if you guys, you guys have seen a dead human body before, yeah? Got, well, they kind of hide it in Australia. <laughs> but, but, yeah, if you, if you ever see like a, you know, you ever go to some, you should, you should go, like, see a dead human body at a, in a morgue or at a funeral or something. And, and, and you can see that um, who you thought was the person is there, right? You think, you, you look at the body and you think, you know, if you look at me, you think, oh, I'm a, you know, white male, right? That's who I am. But then if I were to die, in other words, leave my body, there would still be a white male here, Right? But you, there would be nobody to relate to. The person is gone. 
right? The, it, whatever personality I have is, will be gone, right? And the body will still be here. So therefore we conclude that the person is not the body. The, see, the person is a life force, right? That's why, you know, you take the body and, you know, if you, if you try to put, I don't know, makeup on me right now, right? I would, you try to put makeup on me and put lipstick on or whatever. I would protest. I'd say, no, don't do it. I don't want it. But as soon as I leave the body, there's no protesting, right? The body's just, because there's nobody there to protest, right? There's no personality. There's nobody to talk to. You can't, you know, you, you don't take it to the movies. You don't go out to dinner with it because it's, there's nobody there, right? So, so the life force within the body comes from the supreme life force, you see? Comes from God. So, the life force within the body has a um, eternal relationship with God. It, it existed before, you existed before this body. This, you know, the, when we identify with our body, we think I begin with the body. But when you, you're the life force, you understand that you existed before this body and you'll continue to exist after. So, this person inside the body has a relationship, a forgotten relationship with the Supreme Spirit Soul, with the Supreme Lord. So, yoga is meant, this, what I'm teaching is a process called Bhakti Yoga. It's a, it's a yoga process. And it's meant <clears throat> to reawaken, rekindle this relationship. This is why it is a source of great happiness. Because it's natural for the soul to be in this loving relationship <clears throat> with the Supreme Soul. So this practice of meditation, the practice of yoga, is to reawaken this relationship. Uh, we've been recovered over by our own selfish interests, our own selfish desires, our desire to be uh, the master's desire. In other words, we want our will to be done. We want... Um, where our interest is ourselves. So this is, this is covering over our relationship with God, you see. So this mantra, the mantra purifies us of this um, hard-heartedness and selfishness and um, reestablishes or reawakens this relationship with God. The mantra is actually different than you have, you have like in this world you have the sound of an object and then you have the object, and they're two different things. Like, you know, if I have a man, you have a, if I say the word mango, 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 over and over again, there's no possibility of me ever tasting a mango. Because the mango and the sound mango are two different things, you understand? Um, so, no matter how many times I'll say it, I'll still be hungry, I'll still, I won't taste the mango, I won't get the satisfaction that comes from tasting a mango. But the mantra being transcendental and absolute, it's, there's no difference between God and the sound of God's name. And I actually said in the Vedas, in the, in, the, in the yoga scriptures, it says that the name of God and God are not different. That God actually descends to this world in the form of His name. So if you, if you repeat God's name, then you, you're what happens is you start to gradually, your heart becomes purified, and gradually you're able to experience 
being held by, being loved by, being um, uh, being in God's presence by chanting, by singing His name, because He's there in the sound. You see, so it's like a, it's like a the, the mantra is like a like a satellite spiritual world. You have the actual spiritual world, which is, exists far beyond the material universes. There's a spiritual world, but the spiritual world has descended into the material world in the form of sound. So you can, you can actually access this world simply by repeating the sound of God's names. And then you actually experience yourself being situated in the spiritual world. Just like when I was in, I used to live in Hawaii. Uh, and there was, a, there was a city hall. There's a big city hall where you go to pay your registration and pay your taxes and do all the business that you need to do at the city hall. But then in, in the local, smaller, you know, rural, rural areas, there's what's called a satellite city hall, which is like a little city hall. But you can do everything that the big city hall can do. You pay your taxes, pay your registration, whatever. And um, so, but it's local, right? So you don't have to drive all the way into the city to, to access it, right? So in the same way, the spiritual world exists, but then there's a satellite spiritual world's where the mantras are being chanted. You see? You'll get it. Oh, Pala, go in the Rama, 
Gopala.